You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Strong Town's Week Ahead podcast. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done one of these. Uh, Chuck, how are you doing? How did you feel about our Strong Citizens Week last week? <laughs> I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I feel bad mm-hmm. because I, I actually, it was kind of silly in retrospect because it worked out. But uh, Tuesday morning when I went to the airport, it was like brutally early and I'd gotten hardly any sleep and I was a touch bit late and they've got a new uh, screening process at MSP, which is notoriously slow now. And yeah, yeah. So I I went through, and I mean, I'm a I'm a veteran flyer now. I mean, I've got mm-hmm. like status and everything else, right? So I've done this like countless number of times, and I was in such a hurry. I I thought I was going to miss my plane, which would have screwed up like the whole week. Yeah. And I ran to my flight and left my laptop in the, uh, in the, in the uh, bin at the TSA terminal. And oh. I had a backup. Yeah, it was horrible. I had a backup, um, uh, like, tablet, but, you know, with limited battery power and everything else. And so I, I wound up trying to keep up with Strong Citizens Week on my cell phone as I was mm-hmm. traveling. But I, I, feel like I, I feel like I didn't get the experience like everybody else. Like, I... Like, I, you know, I feel like I missed something, even though I, you know, I read all the stuff and, and got it all. But this is something about not getting it in real time. But I was thrilled. I mean, I, I, I thought it was really fun uh, to be able to focus on individuals and individual actions and the things that people can do to be strong citizens. And I, I for my part of it, doing some of the podcast interviews, I just had a blast. I mean, Mr. Money Mustache is is fantastic. I, I love the guy. And we had such a great time talking. And I, I've admired Chris Martinson for a long time. So the the ability to interview him was was really great. And I love Ethan Kent is just a good friend and it's fun to chat with him too. So yeah, it was that was great. How'd you think it went? Uh I felt good about it. I think we had a good balance between talking about individual actions like living in a more modest home and choosing to use your car less, things like that. And then also we had some great posts about like how to host neighborhood activities and how to, um, one of our members, Grant Henninger had a nice post about how to make your hometown better. Um, instead of just feeling like you have to move somewhere cooler. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. And I was pleased that we were able to get five different podcasts, um, that yeah. Mr. Money Mustache one was definitely the biggest post of the week. It had tons of hits and listens. Um, that was that was fun for me to listen to because I wasn't really very familiar with him. I heard you talk about him, but I had never really checked out his stuff before. So, yeah, it was quite a, informative. It's a great introduction. I love Grant's piece too. It was really good. And I have to say, uh, the 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 webinar that Jason did, the web broadcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for members on the uh, running for office, um, how you go, how you make a decision on whether or not to run for office. I, I thought that was just so good, and the people he had on there were really fantastic. And it's just fun to be able to do that kind of stuff. I, I think there's a lot of people out there who 
think about that particular decision. And I mean, we had a couple hundred people signed up for that. It was, it was pretty fantastic to be able to share that with people. So yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. I mean, when I, when, when you started last September and we talked about some of the things we could do to expand, uh, you know, what we were doing here at Strong Towns, this was the kind of week that I had in mind. I mean, I, I, I think you did too, uh, being able to do something like this. So yeah, what, what a fun time. Yeah, we had so many members who kind of came out of the woodwork and were able to share just the amazing things they're doing all over the country in their hometowns. I think that was a cool part was that, you know, these were largely our members. Like it was us kind of pointing an inward light saying, here's people who are part of what we're doing and and look at how they kick butt. Uh, Isn't isn't this, I mean, one of the fantastic things about what we're doing and, and this job really for me is that I get to meet all these people who are just amazing people who are doing just heroic little things uh, that add up to so much more. I mean, last week in Carlisle, just being able to hang out with Brenda for a little while and, you know, see the stuff that she works on and see her in her native element, you know, she, what an amazing person, what, what, what a, what an inspiring person who literally has just said, I like this place and I'm going to try to make it better. Oh, you know, those people are the true heroes in this country. I, I just find them amazing. Yeah. So tell me about your trip to the strongest town in America. Uh, <laughs> it was great. I mean, I, I, I really, I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I mentioned the TSA screw up, which did kind of put this like, uh, you know, this, the shadow over a lot of things because yeah. I, I landed in Harrisburg and I had a meeting in Harrisburg in the afternoon and then I had kind of a tight schedule for the whole week. So I was driving over to Carlisle. I had a rental car. Um, hilarious because I always ask for like the smallest car possible mm-hmm. and they said, oh yeah, sure, sure. And when I got there, they gave me, they said, this is the smallest car we have. They gave me, um, I don't even know what, it was like a Ford Expedition or something like that. It, oh, I, I'm not joking you. I, I could have fit 10 people in this car. It had, <laughs> it had a two bucket seats in front and then a bench and then another bench and then like a way back. It was, it was, I, I mean, I drove vehicles in the army that were smaller than this thing. <laughs> so uh, I pull up to Carlisle in that uh, after stopping at Best Buy and trying to get like a backup computer and all this stuff. And we, um, I got about an hour and a half to kind of, uh, you know, feel my way around town. And boy, when you talk about the strength test, uh, you know, our strength test, this is a place that just jumps out at you as hitting every button. I mean, they, they, the, the streets were great. They had this, they had this, um, they call it a road diet through town. I, I, I don't use that term, but I, I get what people mean. You know, they, 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 they had the multiple lanes through town and they narrowed it down put a third lane in the middle, which I'm, I'm generally not a fan of, but here they just nailed it. Oh my gosh. They nailed it. Um, they have the, the bike lanes on the side, but the thing that they nailed more than anything is they got the driving lanes, the correct width. So I'm going to say they were like, I'm eyeballing it. They're 10 feet wide, maybe 10 and a half, uh, which had the effect of really slowing traffic down to a nice neighborhood speed for like four blocks, right? Through the, through the middle of town. It's not like there was snarl congestion all up and down. It, it, for a few blocks, things went a little bit slow and there was a lot of urban life and a lot of people and certainly more people than cars. 
Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. We had a really nice chat. We had a nice conversation that evening. Uh, it was it was so much fun to give them an award, and they were clearly very proud of it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I heard it was standing room only in your uh, presentation. <laughs> no, we had plenty of chairs. There, they, it was full. It was full. It was okay. a big room. It was a big room. It, 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 was, it was a lot of fun. And I, I think the questions and the stuff they asked at the end were really, really very good. You know, we, we got in this conversation about, and it actually made the paper, about a brownfield site that they've got and what they should do with it. And, you know, they're, they're kind of trapped in the, the, the current mentality, which is let's, you know, redevelop it as kind of one big project. Mm-hmm. We talked about ways to break it up and make it smaller, more incremental, you know, more reflective of the, the great stuff they've got going on. We talked a little bit about the warehouse thing. They, they are on uh, kind of the intersection of a bunch of major interstates. And that whole part of Pennsylvania is just kind of littered with these large, you know, Amazon, Walmart, the, the distribution warehouses. Oh, yeah. We have one of those uh, along a highway in my area. It's, yeah. They're so massive. I, it's just unbelievable to me. It, it, it's like the exactly. size of the Mall of America. <laughs> it, totally. And, and the question was like, you know, what do we do with these? Are these bad? Are they good? Um, you know, how do we make them good? And so we, we had a, a lot. Of, I mean, those are not easy to answer questions, and there really is no, like, black and white answer. Mm-hmm. But we talked about how you would approach that situation in a way that would kind of limit your downside and give you the most upside potential possible. So, yeah, it, it was so much fun. I mean, I, I really, <laughs> I could see myself living in Carlisle. What a great city and some really great people. Well, I'm really glad we were able to make that trip happen kind of spur of the moment. Um, I know you also visited the second strongest town, Hoboken, had a little uh, <laughs> hangout time with Andrew Price, our Strong Towns contributor. Was that fun? Was Hoboken, did you get to spend much time around there? Yeah, Hoboken's fascinating. And, you know, it, it is, as we talked about when we named the, the winner of the contest, you know, Hoboken is in the satellite of Manhattan, very clearly, and, mm-hmm. you know, reflects that in a big way. It is a fascinating place. I, I have to say, in, in 24 hours, I experienced pretty much every mode of transportation. Although I'll tell you what I told my daughter. I said, uh, Chloe, I went on a train, which I took the Amtrak in the morning, uh, mm-hmm. did the subway then. I, I walked, of course, a, a lot. Uh, I did Uber. I did a traditional taxi. Uh, I then took a ferry across oh, the yeah. river. So I, I said, I did everything. She, and you know what her response was? She, mm-hmm. did, you, did you take a helicopter, Dad? <laughs> uh, the one you forgot. I was like, oh, no, I did a plane, but I did not do a helicopter. <laughs> so the, the thing that was really great about Hoboken, for me, uh, there were a couple things that stood out. First of all, what they've done on the waterfront is just amazing. Uh, the public space that is there and the way they've configured that uh, really creates a, a ton of value for the entire community. I mean, there were all kinds of people out there, not only jogging and, and doing the, the typical like urban things, but just hanging out. And I mean, the views are incredible and it's, it's just a really special place that they've got. When you get off the, the river then and you get back, uh, the, the neighborhoods are just the, the, the real old school stuff that just has great bones 
and the the buildings are great. And I mean, everything you can see that this place has a good fortune of being built at a time when we were kind of at the apex of knowing what we were doing uh, on building great places. And then they really just haven't screwed it up. I mean, they, they really, I think the fortunate thing they have is they just didn't mess up what was there. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that, that just, you know, came through for me is, is the transportation part. Um, I mean, the, the ferry was really, a- Andrew saw me, I kind of, I'm like, what, they have a ferry system? He's like, oh yeah, you just, that was the original way you got across the river before the bridge and everything, and they still have it. It was actually a private transit system, so it's privately owned, oh. privately operated. When we got over the other side, we actually got on a private bus, not a city bus, and it drove us, uh, you know, to our destination. Um, it was a completely privately operated transit system that runs at a profit. Very cool in the, uh, you know, in the heart of, you know, our nation's biggest city. Really great experience. And That's and, fantastic. Andrew is just like the kindest person you'll ever meet too. I mean, oh, just, yeah, he's such a sweetheart. Oh my gosh. He's just a wonderful guy. And to have the, the, you know, the view of this Australian, uh, now, you know, living in Arkansas and trying to love like a really small town and now moving to Hoboken and working in Manhattan and really showing love for that place. It, it was just, it was great to get the Andrew Price view of New York City. Mm-hmm. Later this week, you're heading to another new place, Oklahoma, right? I am. I'm Carlton to- Landing. Oklahoma. Yeah, there's a, there's a developer uh, there who wanted us to come and, and take a look at his development and actually be part of a community dialogue there about strong towns and about really good development. Grant, uh, someone that I've, I've, you know, run into at CNU. It's a really good guy. I, I know the development. I'm very interested to see it. I know there's a lot of really good stuff going on there. So yeah, I'm going to be there this weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly, I, I know there's some public stuff as part of that, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not sure exactly how much of it is public, but a, 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 a little bit of it is. And so, yeah, if you're in the Carlton Landing area. I, I I know I'm flying into Oklahoma City, so it will be close, you know, within driving distance. Uh, come on out Saturday; it will be a, a lot of fun. And that's sort of billed as a new urbanist development, right? I'd be curious to see what that looks like. I know there's a few of those around the country, but well, yeah, I will what t- it looks I will, like in real life, I'm not sure. I will take some photos and okay. uh, share those with you next week. Yeah, it's a, there's a point in time when new urbanists were building essentially greenfield developments all over. And this is kind of in that vein. So I'm, I'm interested to see it. Uh, I've been through a number of these like this. I'm interested to see this one. The architecture is always interesting and the, the different uh, vibe they have is always interesting. I'm also interested to see how it integrates into the surrounding landscape. You know, I was in... Mm-hmm. I, Ion, which is a, a new urbanist development in Charleston, uh, Vince Graham put that, you know, kind of headed that. And I got a tour of it when I was in Charleston. And it is gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's just breathtaking. But the great thing about it, too, is how it's integrated into the fabric of Charleston, too. I think that's its strong suit. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see this. I'm going to certainly... Um, you know, give them a, a good, I'm sure I'll have very, a lot of positive things to say, and I'm sure I'll have some critiques. Um, I'm looking forward to that. 
Let's talk about your post for today. It's only been up for a few hours, and it's already gotten tons of hits, tons of comments, um, some supportive, some uh, starting some arguments. Uh, <laughs> always the mark of a good post on the Strong Towns website. Um, tell me about this. You titled it, Sprawl is Not the Problem. Yeah. Well, and let me start by asking you, asking you something. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started here, you know, we had a, we had a, a lot of conversation about your, you know, you doing the communications part of what we do and managing our content. And really, I mean, you serve in many ways as our kind of primary editor and publisher, mm-hmm. uh, putting stuff out. One of the things I know I said to you early is that I don't use the, I don't use the term sprawl. <laughs> yeah, density was another one you brought up, and smart growth, yeah. as you wrote about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and so I'm I'm wondering for you, as you went through that piece on, you know, I'm not a smart growth advocate a couple of weeks ago, and then, yeah, I've written about density in the past, but then writing about the word sprawl today, if this is um, reflective of the conversations we had early on, or if this is, you know, something different. Because I've never, I mean... The, this this strong town's journey for me. I mean, I, I began as an engineer. Uh, I worked for many years as a planner. I built what many people would categorize as sprawl, mm-hmm. and I always heard people call it sprawl. And it, it never. I mean, to me, that was like the things that people criticize about it were never the problem to me. Like I I use the Google definition today, which some people took exception with the Google definition. Yeah. I don't know. I thought I, I typed in what is the definition of sprawl into Google and it brought up, uh, you know, a definition that I thought this is kind of what it is. And it had two, you know, primary adjectives that were kind of the, the rub. The one is that it's disorganized and the other one is that it's ugly or, or not aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, as someone who, you know, years ago, before I became a strong dance advocate, was out building this stuff, uh, I did not find it in any way to be unorganized. And there are many instances, and I can point to, you know, many, many, many people who don't find it to be ugly or aesthetically not pleasing, particularly when it's brand new, Um you know, I, I think a lot of people have problems with it when it ages. Obviously, it doesn't age well. But I, I'll tell you what, I, you know, when you build the brand new uh, big box store with the frontage roads and the, the decorative lighting and the, you know, the tree, a, a large swath of humanity actually thinks that that kind of uh, kind of clean, hard, uh, linear landscape is aesthetically Concrete. very pleasing. Yeah, yeah. And so it, you, we used to have this debate. Um, a, a lot of the, where I live, there's a lot of lakes. And uh, what I did early in my planning career, a lot of zoning work, dealt with shoreline renovations. And people would come in, and they would want to take these very natural shorelines with all the all the natural kind of deep-rooted plants and the trees, and the, and they would want to rip that all out and put in riprap, which is like rock, and sand for a beach. They would want to basically make it like a very sterile environment. And there was an argument that, oh, my gosh, that's ugly because isn't the natural shoreline more beautiful? And I, I tend to come down on that. I mean, if, if it were me, I, I yes, I find the natural shoreline 
to be more beautiful. Yet there are instances, there are places where a sandy beach and, you know, a hardscape kind of shoreline is also really beautiful. And especially if you can use it to like go swimming. Yeah, exactly. Well, yes, yes. And, you know, it was interesting because that was an argument that we were never going to win because it was almost in the eye of the beholder in a sense. So I, I just grew, I mean, when I started writing the Strong Towns blog, I never used the word sprawl because it wasn't a word that I had ever used to describe something. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a use that, it wasn't a word that I used to like explain what the problem was. Uh, you know, I think the fact that everyone, a lot of people in the comment section jumped in and were like, well, this is my definition of sprawl. And like, right. this is another definition of sprawl kind of just shows you that either it's too vague of a word or the fact that we like can't define it well just suggests like I, I see why it makes sense not to use it. It reminds me of your conversation um, in your post about not being a smart growth advocate that your wife asked you, well, if you're not a smart growth advocate, then what are you? Like <laughs> as right. a journalist, it's it's simpler to use this sort of shorthand that a lot of people have a vague understanding of in order to like explain who we are very quickly. And sprawl seems like the same sort of thing. It's like a shorthand to say, oh, all those cul-de-sacs in the suburbs with the wide streets and the cookie cutter houses, like everybody knows that's icky, like don't build that stuff. And it's not really helpful for our dialogue to just say, well, that's ugly and unattractive, so that's why we don't want it. Well, not, um, o- not only that, but I, I think it also misses the broader point because, you know, w- what has happened, and I use the term the suburban experiment, you know, what happened with mm-hmm. the auto-oriented, top-down, centralized development pattern following World War II was more pernicious in many ways to urban areas than it, than it was to the lands, the countryside. I mean, we, we look at sprawl and we say, oh, we don't like these cul-de-sacs and frontage roads and, you know, corridors of development along highways. Totally agreed. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons why those don't make any sense. But I also think, you know, the idea of taking highway standards and applying them to neighborhood streets and ripping out the sidewalks and making, you know, everything 30 plus mile per hour traffic and making it so you can't walk across the street to go to the corner store. The, these are all part of the same program. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the same things that brought us A brought us B. And if we sit in, you know, in an urban area and look out at the edge of town and say, well, that's sprawl, uh, we don't want that. You actually have to look and say, you know, it's an entire program which has transformed our, you know, urban areas and the, you know, the, the, the outskirts of the cities, which have now become suburban. I, I saw this talk, it, boy, it was in the early 2000s at an APA uh, conference when I, I used to go to those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was, it was. Now you're was, invited to speak at those. <laughs> no, I'm not. And well, I am at the local ones. I mean, the state yeah. chapters, we do a lot with state chapters, not the national. No, I've, I've, Okay. No, I'm I'm not invited to speak on the national one. I've submitted a couple times to speak. It's been a it's been a couple years, but uh, no, uh, never invited to speak uh, except for once when Mitch Silver brought me in uh, to share his spot. But I, I went to this session years ago, and it was basically a debate over whether sprawl was good or bad, and it was a silly debate. 
But I did find a lot in the guy who argued that sprawl is good. I, I, I found a lot of insights that have stuck with me. And his primary argument that stuck with me that I thought, you know, was, was enlightening to me is he went back in history and he showed how all cities have sprawled in a sense that they've grown. They, they kind of defined the term to begin with as horizontal expansion on the edge of the city. And he mm -hmm. said, all cities have always sprawled. They've always grown. When they're successful, they always grow horizontally out on the edge. And th that stuck with me because it, it is a truism. It is very, very true. Now, they didn't do it with automobiles and they didn't do it you know, for miles and miles and what have you. But the incremental development pattern, the traditional development pattern has an increment of out along with the increment of up and the increment of becoming more intense. And so once you acknowledge that, then it's like a whole, you know, it's not the out that is the problem. It's the mechanisms and, and, and the way we've actually gone about financing it, about making it hyper out without any kind of financial incentive to do anything up or more intense. It's the way we've configured our urban neighborhoods, uh, you know, along the same theory uh, in support of it. And so, yeah, I... Yeah. I, I just, I don't find sprawl to be a very descriptive term. You know, some, I, I realize that suburban experiment is a mouthful and, and people you know, necessarily embrace that. But to me, I think getting to that deeper sense that this is a, this is a broader dysfunction than just, you know, the Walmart out on the edge of town is really important if we're actually going to fix it, if we're actually going to deal with, deal with it in any coherent kind of way. Yeah, and asking, like, what is wrong with it and what caused those problems? Yeah, because, I mean, you, you and I, I mean, we see in our urban neighborhoods the same, like, design problems that actually are derivations of what people call sprawl. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, 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 use, the, uh, I use the Matthew quote uh, about you know, I, I paraphrase the Matthew quote about seeing, not seeing the, the seeing the splinter in your neighbor's eye and not seeing the plank in your own. Mm -hmm. There is a certain, and I think some of the pushback that I've gotten on Facebook today too, uh, from a couple of people who have been kind of really angry with me. Uh, I, I think part of it is there's a, there's a comfort in uh, the notion that, well, I live in an urban area and, you know, I don't live in sprawl. Um, you know, like good versus bad or good versus evil. Very and true. Yeah, really, I, I see it as all kind of a continuum of the same kind of mindset and approach. And, you know, in a sense, I think we're all more alike in our, um, it, it, we're, it, from a strong town standpoint, we're all more alike in our fragile nature than I think we often like to acknowledge. If, for our listeners, if you want to continue this conversation with Chuck, uh, he's going to be hosting a Slack chat on Thursday at 12 p.m. Central, and there's information on our website about how to sign up for that if you haven't uh, signed up for Slack yet. It's very easy to use, um, and yeah, we'll continue this conversation on there later this week. It's my turn. Yep. I can't wait. Um, yeah. Can I say something about the podcast? Yep. Okay. So I ran into someone last week. <laughs> Uh, in in the, the talk I gave in Hackensack, right next to Hoboken. And they said, oh, I, I love the podcast, um, but you guys put out too many. 
<laughs> and I can't keep up anymore. And I, I have heard people say that. Yeah. Yeah. A and, bit. and I actually said, I feel guilty about not keeping up because I enjoy them so much. Mm-hmm. So here's, you know, here's, here's what I'll tell people. And I, I think we should, you know, we've been trying to beef up the podcast during our campaign weeks. So we had strong citizens week last week, strong citizens week just lent itself to five really good podcasts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we ran one the week before, uh, you know, we, at, at times we'll do two a week, sometimes, you know, sometimes more, I would just say, do what you can. I mean, keep up, keep up with them as you can. But if you can't keep up with everyone, don't, don't make that stop you from listening all together. I mean, go ahead and skip one, you know, and you're, you're free to look at the descriptor. I mean, and we're also running them differently now on the website where we're putting a little preview out and where we can, we're putting a transcript with. So, you know, the, the idea is not that, uh, it, and I realize there's old school people who have been with us for a long time who, uh, you know, listened to every podcast and want to continue to listen to every podcast. Uh, you know, our podcast listenership has doubled this, this year already, and we're the middle of April. So, you know, we're going to continue to, to, uh, to, to, to release them. And if you can't keep up, Pick the ones that look most interesting to you and, and, you know, go ahead and go ahead and skip one every now and then. It, it won't, uh, it, it will hurt you less than just quitting altogether. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a minute to welcome our newest members. We have Maritza Gonzalez from Astoria, New York, John Hawkins from Duval, Washington, Mitchell Jorstad from St. Louis, Missouri, Vivian Keller from Cedarburg, Wisconsin, Monique Cole from The Woodlands, Texas, Molly Miller from Little Rock, Arkansas, Daniel Nairn from Bismarck, North Dakota, and James Bio from Nashua, New Hampshire. Welcome, everyone, to Strong Towns, and thanks for becoming a member. Last section of this podcast today. Uh, Chuck, what have you been reading or uh, podcasting lately? Actually, I, I finished, I think the last time we chatted, I was still on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which mm-hmm. Josh McCarty had recommended. Finished it. I, I don't want to ruin my credibility with people because I know there's certain people that, like, that is like a cult hit. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 there were a couple points that I found charming, but for the most part, I was, you know, not into it. I, I, I might watch the movie just because I realize there's a certain charm to it, but it, it did not, it did not grab me. I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just getting too old. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I finished a book called misbehaving, uh, the making of behavioral economics by Richard Taylor. And there's a book that Minicozzi had recommended to me. It just fantastic. Really, really good. I, I've been kind of obsessed with behavioral economics the last few months Mm-hmm. And this was a good overview and also, a, you know, a, a good kind of dive into how the, the, the practice came about. Um, I also switched over and started reading Capital in the 21st Century. That's the Thomas Piketty book. One of our members has recommended it to me a couple times. And I had been kind of avoiding it because it's not an easy read and it's incredibly thick. I've actually found it to be a lot easier read than I thought it was going to be. And um, while it is thick, I, I'm getting through it relatively easily. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the way through that and enjoying it thus far. 
Well, I think that'll wrap us up for today. Um, but I'll ram- remind everyone again about that Slack chat on Thursday at 12 p.m. Central if you want to talk more with Chuck. And otherwise, uh, have a great week. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everybody. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.